Hey everyone, Saltgrass Steakhouse is now open in Mishawaka. Wrangle up the crew and head down to Saltgrass Mishawaka for an unforgettable experience. Sink your teeth into mouth-watering char-grilled, certified Angus beef steaks. Sip on ice-cold craft cocktails. And don't forget to try the famous Spicy Range Rattlers, all made daily in the Scratch Kitchen. Start making delicious memories at Saltgrass Mishawaka, 5126 North Main Street, across from Lazy Boy Furniture Galleries. Dine with us today. Notre Dame football coverage continues now. Gives to Estime. He leaps at the one and goes over the strike. Touchdown, Notre Dame. Budweiser's weekday sports beat. Hartman keeps it, runs it up the middle, bulldozing to the end zone, and he's in. On Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Low snap, hands off inside to Estime. 10-5. He'll get there. Touchdown, Notre Dame. And we kick off the 6 o'clock hour as we continue to recap. Ohio State edging Notre Dame 17-14 on Saturday. We bring in Tyler Horka from Blue and Gold Illustrated, blueandgold.com. He is the Notre Dame football beat reporter. I'm Darren Pritchett. Tyler, what do you think was a bigger part of the outcome of this game? Was it the final defensive sequence with third and 19, only rushing three, and then the 10 men on the field, two consecutive plays? Or was it more about the offense only scoring 14 points with a lot of points left on the field? I will say the offense, and I will take it a step further. It was particularly the offensive sequence that preceded third and 19 and 10 men on the field, and that entire one minute and 25 seconds, 65-yard touchdown drive, I believe it was. Look, if your defense makes a fourth-and-one stop on Ohio State's plus territory, meaning Ohio State was, I think it was nearing the red zone, right around the red zone, when they tried that jet sweep to Emeka Abuka on fourth-and-one, and your defense bows up and stops that guy, future NFL player, and gives the ball back to the offense with four minutes and 12 seconds left and says, hey, here's our chance to win the game, and then you get a couple first downs, but you get the ball right back, and you can't do that. You cannot do that if you're the Notre Dame offense. So it's not just that they only scored 14 points in the game. It kind of – the game devolved into another one of those – Brian Day calls them matchup games, and that's kind of what it was. It was a chess match, and it ended up being another low-scoring chess match for the second year in a row. But when you're the Notre Dame offense and you have that ball in your hands and all that's stopping you from a victory – over the number six team in the country is a couple more first downs and you get away from running the ball like you did on those two plays that that's it right there that's that was the nail for me that was when I said oh no they're giving the ball back to Ohio State it kind of feels like something bad can happen here but lo and behold it did Tyler how would you assess the Notre Dame defensive coaches game plan and the players execution over the first 57 minutes and how their grade went down based on what we saw in the closing 15 seconds of that ball game. Yeah, here's the thing. I don't think Notre Dame did too much differently in terms of just play calling and who they are defensively in those last couple minutes. Look, it was the blunders that, that did Notre Dame in. Uh, fourth and seven is huge. I thought that was the ball game. I really thought – Notre Dame was going to get a stop there, but 
there it is again, slot receiver getting open and running across the middle of the field, literally gets right to the line to gain. Uh, third and 19, it wasn't rushing three for me and, and dropping eight. It was the, what the eight that dropped did or didn't do that I said, gosh, if you just do things a little bit differently within the confines of the single play, that's the, you know, that's the game. You, you get a stop and you win the ball game. So it was just kind of the way that they executed down the stretch was the thing that was different for me from the first 57 and a half minutes there and was, they just didn't do the things. But like, for example, in those last 90 seconds, they played on, you know, some of those plays were actually really good. Uh, there were some incomplete passes. I think Kyle McCord only went, three of six or three of seven, but you know, the three ended up being really big completions, probably his biggest of the game, but there was a lot to like there. And that's why I say it wasn't a whole lot different. It felt like they were going to do the thing and, and win the football game, but you know, a couple third downs and the fourth and seven, and then eventually only 10 guys on the field for the last two plays. That was the difference. And on those plays where they just kind of had those mishaps and those blunders, whatever you want to call them, that mirrored the 61-yard Travion Henderson touchdown, which I don't think enough people are talking about. You can't really lose outside contain there, whether it was Maris Leofel that should have been there. Uh, our own Mike Goolsby at blueandgold.com played the linebacker position, and he said that was um, J.D. Bertrand's. Uh, that, that's where he should have been on the field. I think Tim Hyde at blueandgold.com said the same thing as well. He needed to get out and, and be able to help Xavier Watts to where Xavier Watts wouldn't have been on an island on that play. So you can handpick five to seven plays where you say the Notre Dame defense wasn't good enough here. 40 to 50 of them, man, they were really stout. But in a matchup game like that, like Ryan Day calls it, if you're not good on five to seven plays, the other team is really good and will make you pay. That's that's what ended up happening for Ohio State. He's Tyler Horka from Blue and Gold Illustrated. Read his work at blueandgold.com. Ten men on the field, two consecutive plays with a game on the line and a top ten matchup in a game where you're winning, that's pretty indefensible. It is. And I think Marcus Freeman knows it. He tried to wiggle his way out of it on Saturday, but then just came out on Monday, got out in front of it and said, hey, look, we have to be better. Ultimately, it falls on me, which it does. But, gosh, there's so many people that could have helped Marcus Freeman out in that instance. He doesn't have the van- the best vantage point to say, hey, there's only 10 guys out there, by the way. There's some people up in the booth with headsets on. Could have even been an offensive staffer that calls down and says, hey, I only see 10 of us out there. And for it to happen on two consecutive plays after Notre Dame called the timeout to, you know, they, they saw Ohio State's offensive formation and said, okay, we're, we're going to use a timeout and come back out and get our personnel that we want out there and the, and the look that we want. And they only sent 10 guys out there. Ohio State runs a play to the opposite side of the field where the guy was missing, by the way. So Ohio State, that told me at that time, they didn't know that there were only 10 guys out there too. But then Ohio State subs, Trip Trainum, who eventually scores the touchdown, comes in. The refs stand over the ball and say, hey, Notre Dame, do you want to do anything with this? We're going to let you sub before they run this play, last play of the game. And Notre Dame does nothing. Everyone stands there. They don't send another guy on the field. That that was the nail right there that told me, holy cow, they really don't know what's going on. Of course, I, I'm standing on the field at this point, so I didn't know that there were only 10 guys on the field. But once you look, look back at it and you take into context that college football teams are such an expansive 
operation and organization, somebody's got to figure out within the course of those two plays that there's only 10 guys out there. Like you said, Darren, it's inexcusable and defensible. Against Central Michigan, Audric Estime had 20 of the 37 carries. You could say that's surprising against a lesser opponent that your number one running back had that many carries on a team in which they will use all five running backs throughout the ballgame. Then you move to Ohio State, a game that you wanted to be physical, you wanted to wear down that Ohio State defense. In this game, he had 14 of the 39 carries. And let's face it, Love and Price, when they touched the football, they had success, averaging seven yards per carry. Is there a need, even with those numbers being told, for Estime to have more opportunities on the field for this football team? Yeah, it's, it's I wouldn't say double-edged sword because that's probably not the right analogy, but there's a little bit of nuance to it where you look at the box score, and sometimes the box score doesn't tell the whole story. I, I keep going back to the thing that Ryan Day said about matchup game. It was. It was, it devolved into this low-scoring, weird thing. Possessions aren't there. Touches are at a premium for everybody. Notre Dame decides to try to strike the Ohio State defense with Jeremiah Love, who was running very hard and very fast. Great football player. You don't take away his eight carries for 57 yards or whatever it was. No, you you, you take that every single time. So, And then, like you said, Jadarian Price had a good average as well. It was only three carries, but – just weird it's weird to see Audric to look up and only see 14 carries for Audric Estime there were definitely some spots in that game where you could have given him the ball a little bit more but it's just a weird game where Notre Dame didn't run a whole lot of offensive plays and I keep saying that Travion Henderson he had 61 yard touchdown he only had 14 carries as well so there's probably some fans on the other side of the Ohio border that are saying how the heck did Travion Henderson only have 14 carries so weird game if you're a Notre Dame fan, you definitely wish Audrey Estime would have had a few more chances, but I guess it just didn't really work out that way. I, I'm not sitting here on Monday saying Notre Dame lost because Audrey Estime no. didn't have more touches. Now, you probably should have given them the ball a little bit more on that one sequence that I opened this up with where Notre Dame's literally trying to run out the clock and run out the game and, and win the game. That's when you give it to Audrey Estime. So if he would have had 17 carries, two more of those would have been first downs on that drive, then yeah, you win the game. But that's really the one spot where I would have said, yeah, you probably needed to get the ball there. I'll take your 17 carries and add two more on fourth and one. Yep, there you go. <laughs> so there's there's the 20, right? There you Three go. We're close. Yeah. So. How much money did Benjamin Morrison make for future endeavors with the NFL draft with what he did against Marvin Harrison Jr. when Marvin was on his side of the field? Yep, he's um, he's a three-year guy, Darren. Uh, his name's going to be called in the, what would that be, the 2025 yeah. NFL draft after his junior year, 2024. He's a three-year guy. He's one of the best corners in college football. He went up against I think the guy that everyone would say is the best wide receiver in college football, and that guy, I know he gets injured, but he comes back and his ankle was heavily taped, yes, but he only gets one catch after he comes back, I believe. Maybe it was two. He only has three in the entire ballgame, and Benjamin Morrison is the reason for that. Usually you see Benjamin Morrison not get targeted at all. Like There's been games this year where 
the personnel on the other side, Central Michigan, Tennessee State, whoever it is, says, yeah, we can't throw at this guy at all because it's 100% not going to go well for us. Benjamin Morrison was actually targeted nine times in this game. He only gave up five catches for, I want to say it was around like 30, 34, 35 yards, somewhere around there. So kept everything in front of him, went toe-to-toe with the best wide receiver in college football, made some, some pass breakups. I mean, he had a nice pass breakup in the end zone on that last touchdown drive for Ohio State. Like, they weren't, they weren't going to get that ball into the end zone throwing at Benjamin Morrison, I can guarantee you that. So he made a lot of money, and, and he is that guy. He, he's a heck of a football player for Notre Dame. Did the team that played best Saturday win the game? Nope. Nope. Notre Dame was the better football team on that particular night. And I'm not going to say that they're a better football program. And uh, look, Ohio State, they're a very online bunch. My, my Twitter mentions have been pretty dang crazy over the last 48 hours with some of the stuff that they've been coming after me for. But I definitely believe that Notre Dame played better. Uh, I know that they dug themselves a 10-0 to hole. And at that point, Ohio State probably at that point you're thinking okay this is a matchup game like Ryan Day is saying and Ohio State is just finding ways to to get out to this lead but then Notre Dame goes on two straight scoring drives and you're like okay yeah this is what I've been watching all game like Notre Dame's got the lead and it felt like they should have had the lead so okay here it is but then that last sequence happens and you know the, the team that probably didn't play better than the other one, ends up sneaking out. You see it sometimes in college football at any level of football. But, yeah, to answer your question, I thought Notre Dame was a better team that night. Finally, your biggest concern with Duke coming up next? Uh, I think you said it really well on our uh, Heidi Horka show, Darren. You can't let this thing snowball. And this, you're going on the road to another game that college game day is going to be at, so you know what the national media thinks about this one. It's a, it's a big-time game, and Duke's a really good football team this year. Got a really good quarterback, coached by former Notre Dame defensive coordinator Tim Elko. He's a really good football coach, so a lot of really good elements, a lot of things to like about Duke. You can't, if you're Notre Dame, sit there and say, okay, we're not playing Ohio State again, so we can, we can take a – deep breath and just kind of roll into to, you know, Raleigh Durham and say, all right, let's roll out and roll out the team and, and get a victory. Not going to work like that. This team's going to be fired up. It's a 730 game. You have to get up for this one. So if you ask me what I'm worried about for Notre Dame, getting up for the football game because so much emotion went into this Ohio State thing, man. It was a heck of a weekend in South Bend. But for Duke, this is going to be a heck of a weekend in Durham Notre Dame has to be aware that it's walking into a little bit of a snake pit. What's coming up at blueandgold.com this week? Just coverage of this Duke game, man. I think we cover every single game that Notre Dame plays throughout the course of a college football season more thoroughly and better than everyone else on the beat. And there's some stuff that you can get at blueandgold.com that you can't get elsewhere. So if you're not subscribed, definitely go to blueandgold.com and, Look, this Notre Dame football season is not over just because it lost to Ohio State, okay? There's still plenty to play for, and we're going to cover it all the way through. He is Tyler Horka from Blue and Gold Illustrated, their Fighting Irish Beat reporter, and he'll join me for game day sports beat. He'll be down in Durham for the Irish Blue Devil game. We'll have game day sports beat brought to you by Bud Light from 4 until 630. Tyler, appreciate the time. Enjoy your week. We'll talk to you on Saturday. All right, Darren. Thanks. Can't wait. You bet. That's Tyler Horka. I'm Darren Pritchett. Sportsbeat continues next on WSBT. 
Hey everyone, Saltgrass Steakhouse is now open in Mishawaka. Wrangle up the crew and head down to Saltgrass Mishawaka for an unforgettable experience. Sink your teeth into mouth-watering, char-grilled, certified Angus beef steaks. Sip on ice-cold craft cocktails. And don't forget to try the famous Spicy Range Rattlers, all made daily in the Scratch Kitchen. Start making delicious memories at Saltgrass Mishawaka, 5126 North Main Street, across from Lazy Boy Furniture Galleries. Dine with us today. 